Chronicles of the Awakened is an ongoing story-based podcast and is a work of fiction. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Previously on Chronicles of the Awakened, after defeating Emmanuel, David returned to the space station and was reunited with Sarah and Flag. He told them that their next mission was to go inside the Nexus and search for Anna and other allies to defeat extinction. Sarah and David went into the Nexus, while Flag decided to turn his attention to a world that he was able to observe using the space station. And now, Chapter 22, Retrieval. Night slowly overtakes the towering landscape of downtown Chicago. Normally, the streets and sidewalks of this busting metropolis would be filled with people going about their daily lives. However, though each square inch of the cityscape is real to the touch, it is not the Chicago most people live their lives in. In this Chicago, there is no living human beings at all. Known as the negative mirror, this land is home to those who are within the grasp of post-death. It is the twilight dimension between the world of the living and the final destination for the dead. Here, the souls of humanity are trapped until judged or hunted and taken. Its quiet domain only remains that way until a soul enters it, and then the race begins. Nestled between two massive buildings, a long narrow alleyway stretches out from one avenue to another. The light from the city and even the moon has not found its way here. Within the shadows of its confined space rests a young man. Vincent sits atop a dark, damp, black asphalt floor, his back laid against a large gray dumpster. Dark brown eyes stare blank- blankly ahead as if in a trance. Vincent's face is young, but not youthful. No older than 21, he looks as if he had seen a lifetime of pain and suffering. With his elbows rested against his knees, his hands cupped underneath his unshaven chin, Vincent's thoughts are not on hunger or even safety. In the negative mirror, there is no need for food, and safety has not yet become a cognitive concern. There are questions swirling within Vincent's mind. However, the life energy within his life force is seriously unstable, making finding those answers impossible. Vincent's frost-colored gaze focuses on nothingness, as his very being is decaying. His disheveled clothing and ragged short black hair are all symptoms of this decay. His extended stay within the negative mirror is slowly destroying his soul. As time passes, Vincent loses more and more of himself, coming one step closer to inexistence. Directly ahead of Vincent, a brief flash of light illuminates the alleyway. The bright white light shines across Vincent's stone stair, not changing it in the slightest. A large circular area of space near the wall adjacent to Vincent begins to distort. Reality ripples and bends before Vincent's eyes, as if watching a mirage slowly appear in a steaming desert. A tear in space opens, and from the tear, a pulsating light 
of the same color and intensity pours from it. The opening in the very fabric of space begins to widen in both height and width. A young woman carefully steps from the tier. Her deep ocean blue eyes quickly scans the alleyway, searching for danger. She brushes her pale skinned hand through her short blonde hair. Chase glances at a watch-like device wrapped around her wrist. Her bare thin lips pressed tightly against each other. She was expecting a confrontation and disappointed in the fact that she did not find one. Chase's eyes also have a youthful look that matches her face, but there is more than just that. They also show a focus and toughness of a soldier who has seen battle and known death. The device strapped to her wrist flashes on casting a blue light over her oval-shaped face. She quickly reads over the data being displayed. Chase glares at Vincent, who is still sitting against the dumpster. Even though she is standing before him, he has not yet taken notice of her presence. The tear in space closes, taking the light from it, returning the alleyway to darkness. Chase grabs hold of her white trench coat and walks over to Vincent. Kneeling, Chase looks into his eyes. It is only when her hand touches his chin that he finally, if only slightly, acknowledges her presence. Vincent's eyes tries to focus on Chase's face, but with his life energy fading out of existence, she appears distorted to him, as if a blur or a shadow. Chase's expression changes slightly from indifference to genuine concern as she looks deeper into his eyes. She can see Vincent's true age by reading his life energy, her fingertips absorbing small amounts of it through contact with his skin. This allows Chase to learn more about him. Returning to her feet, Chase turns away, taking a few steps from Vincent. Her coat slightly opens, revealing her short, small, but athletic frame. Wrapped around her blue jean thigh, a makeshift holster made of a leather-looking material. Inside the holster rests the handle of a katana, modified with a gun handle, reminiscent of a Smith & Wesson Magnum. Lifting her wrist to mouth level, she presses her finger against a square-shaped display pad attached to the device. It turns on shining blue. Gabriel, I found him, Chase says, turning, remaking eye contact with Vincent, her voice soft and clear, with little emotion within its tone. Vincent slowly lifts his head and looks towards Chase. She stares at him for a moment, thinking about what she saw in his eyes and felt from his life energy, before slightly shaking her head. I don't need to tell you how important this is. Gabriel replies. The voice echoes through the alleyway as if the person were standing right in front of her. Gabriel's voice is deep and commanding, clearly belonging to someone of authority. Chase takes a second to look up and down the alleyway as if she is still expecting someone to arrive. I doubt this is the one, Chase responds. I've seen his true age. He's only a child, barely 10 years old. Vincent continues looking at Chase. Her image still blurred begins to shine as he can now see a faint white aura surrounding her. 
The aura radiates off of her body, casting a soft white glow. Vincent's mouth opens slightly, as if he's about to speak, but no words come. Chase turns away from Vincent, facing the adjacent wall. Chase, you should know as well as anyone, you cannot always tell a person by reading their life energy, Gabriel says. There could be many underlying factors. That, and you're not experienced enough to get a full reading. Maybe. But there's still something about him. Chase begins, then turns taking a quick look at Vincent before turning back again. His life energy. It is extremely strong. Considering he's been trapped in a mirror this long, and his age, it should have barely registered on our scanners. I'm not saying he is the one, but whoever he is, he has power. If you're right about him and he is to become an angelic, then I know she will come for him. Chase's hand slowly reaches down to the katana handle protruding from its holster. Her fingers caress the grill-shaped holes cut into the modified handle. She wraps her hand around its black and silver braid, slightly lifting the handle from its holster and then returning it. We know the demonics have been tracking us somehow, Gabriel responds. I cannot send anyone to back you up, Chase, but you cannot let them take him. Complete the retrieval, then return to the campus. Chase walks back over to Vincent. Vincent's eyes are finally able to focus on her as he watches Chase approach, then squat in front of him. Raising her right hand, Chase extends her index and middle fingers. Her fingertips begin to glow from underneath the skin. She places them on Vincent's forehead and with her left hand takes hold of his, pulling him to his feet. Vincent's body moves as if being controlled by Chase's movements. There's no need to send any backup, Chase exclaims. If she or any other demonic tries to take him, I will kill them. You say that as if you want to fight, Gabriel says, clearly concerned. This isn't about you, Chase, or your vendetta against Lucia. You are not on a revenge mission. After you complete the retrieval, you will return to the campus. You are not to engage any demonics unless absolutely necessary. Do you understand? Chase closes her eyes. Releasing her grip on Vincent, she balls her hand into a fist. Her thoughts focus on the demonic Lucia as a rush of energy builds up inside her. Her eyes open and shine a bright white, almost identical to the light that poured from the tear in space. She looks at Vincent, who stares back at her, his eyes filled with curiosity and amazement. It is clear he does not comprehend what he is seeing, but is still mesmerized by it. Yes, Gabriel, Chase answers. Only if absolutely necessary. I'll contact you once the retrieval is complete. Chase's eyes return to normal. The light from the device dims and then goes dark. Chase drops her arm to her side and stares ahead down the alley. Only a moment passes before Chase refocuses on Vincent. She takes her hand and places them on the sides of Vincent's head and stares deeply into his eyes. Why you? 
Chase whispers to herself. What makes you special? Chase's hands begin to glow. An aura of light surrounds them and brightens as her eyes once again shine a bright, brilliant white. She looks beyond his exterior to the life energy coursing through his body. She communicates with it through touch, searching for information on him. Chase can feel the pain that, he, that has consumed him, and though she does not know the cause of his death, she is certain it was horrible. Digging deeper into his soul, Chase searches for the source of the powerful energy she felt resonating from him. Vincent's eyes briefly flash a golden light. Chase pulls away from Vincent, her hands snapping back and away from his face as if repelled. Chase's eyes return to their normal, human-like form. She steps back, shaking her head as if staggered by a blow. Her eyes lock onto his. It is now Chase who looks upon Vincent with curiosity. The hell was that? Chase gasps. Shaking it off, Chase places her hand on Vincent's shoulder as both his and hers eyes glow yet again. Vincent stares blankly ahead. Vincent, try and focus on the sound of my voice, Chase says softly. I need you to relax as I take you from this place. But first, your life energy must be stabilized. For that to happen, you have to allow my life energy to connect with yours. Once we are done, I will be able to free you and take you away from here. Chase's voice is soothing to Vincent as his eyes slowly refocuses on her face. Chase's image begins to become even clearer. Vincent's eyes quickly dart from side to side. He is trying to understand what is happening to him. The process, the information, now rushing through him. A childlike fear comes over Vincent as he finally recognizes his surroundings. Away? Vincent stammers, his voice that of a young man, but with the tone of a frightened child. I can only stabilize your life energy to a point, Chase continues. I know you won't understand my words yet, but we need to bring your energy level under control. It is the only way you will be able to leave here. What I am about to show you will be difficult to accept, but you must see what happened to you. It is the only way for you to continue on. I promise I will be with you every step of the way. Chase has said these words many times, but this time she feels a connection to Vincent that she cannot yet explain. This retrieval is different than the other she has performed. She can feel the pain within Vincent's soul, and it reflects her own. The fear and hesitation in Vincent's eyes fades. Calmness comes over him. He feels the need to believe her, to trust her. Vincent reaches up towards Chase, giving her his hand. Taking hold of it, Chase closes her eyes. An aura of soft white light begins to surround her body, casting a glow throughout the alley. The aura extends out, flowing down her arm, crossing over to Vincent's body. Within seconds, the two are covered by the aura. Vincent closes his eyes as the aura overtakes him. He can feel the energy inside him awakening as the energy from Chase's body enters his. Opening his eyes, they now glow the same bright white as Chase's. Releasing his hand, 
Chase walks over and stands next to Vincent with her arm on his shoulder. Unaware of the change to his eyes, Vincent can only see the alleyway, which now appears brighter, clearer to him than before. His thoughts begin to slowly return to him as if he is being reborn. The alleyway before Vincent's eyes begins to change. The color and light within the object surrounding him begins to fade as if slowly dying. A creeping fear comes over Vincent. Chase adjusts her energy, compensating for the change in his, calming him down. Finding himself in a reality of black and white, the final bit of light remaining fades, leaving them surrounded by darkness. Vincent, don't be afraid, Chase says. We have stepped inside of your soul. From here, I can guide you to the moment of your death. Together, we will find that memory and recreate it here. From the black emptiness before them, a small spark of light flashes directly ahead. The light dances around them, as if controlled by the hand of God, creating the wireframe of an apartment. Vincent's eyes try desperately to follow the light as it creates a new reality before him. Moments later, the light comes to a stop as Vincent and Chase finds themselves in the center of their creation. The floors, walls, and ceiling slowly fill in with color and texture. Vincent's eyes widen as he recognizes his home. Standing in the corner of the living room, Chase looks around at the dilapidated surrounding. Across from them sits a badly damaged brown couch that looks as if it belonged in a dumpster. The filthy walls are stained by smoke and dirt all the way to the ceiling. The floor is dingy with several cracks in the worn wood. A soiled rug sits in the center of the living room, completing the rundown look of the room. Home. Vincent whispers, his voice even more childlike than before. Next week, Chapter 23